something, Sarah Hepler. Good whatever it is, Nancy Rollins. We're in basically different hemispheres, or it feels like that at this point. I, I think it's Friday. Is it Friday? It it's is. Friday. Shabbat Shalom from, uh, from Tel Aviv. So it is uh, 3.18 in the afternoon here. It is what, uh, like 7.18. 7, yeah, and you've been up for hours, of course, mm-hmm. as one does. And I've just gotten back from interviewing the parents of a dead soldier. So mm. it's uh, an interesting day here. So, yes. So um, I'm going to tell you that um, I'm just going to tell our listeners that about an hour ago, you FaceTimed me uh, with Yael. We were trying to figure mm-hmm. out whether or not we were going to do this this morning or later on. I was chatting to you on FaceTime. We were laughing. Uh, I don't know if you noticed during that, but I was sitting outside. Uh, um, you were in the dark. That's what I do know that you were sitting in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting outside on the couch that's in a little corridor um, on the side of my house. It has these wooden slats that kind of like look out onto the sidewalk. So you can yep. see through the slats, right? Mm-hmm. When I closed my um laptop after talking to you, I noticed a very bright light coming through the slats. And I heard someone say, hi, beautiful. What? And I then saw that there was a man standing there recording me. No, no, no. And he said, I'm your friend. And I said, I'm going to call the police. Because by the way, Nancy, this guy came by yesterday. This guy came by yesterday And I yelled at him. I never saw him. He was talking to me through the slats. And I yelled at him like you're supposed to yell at a bear to make them go away. Like, I just yelled like, if you don't leave, I'm going to call the cops. And he left. And I thought it was done with. And when I, I mean, I almost called you and Yael right back. But I, he stood there and he was filming me and he said, no, 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 no. You're my friend. You're my friend. And I said, sir, I'm calling the cops right now. So I called the cops. And as I was talking to them, he left. But that is all to say, if the cops call me, I will have to talk to them. Okay. Sarah. Well, okay. First of all, Fuck no. Okay. It is 4.30 in the morning. You're up here early writing. I don't know if you go outside or you're doing what, but I know that you sit out there early in the morning. Clearly he knows this now. He knows this now. now. So you have to change your, I'm not saying you have to change your schedule to suit him, but for the moment you have to change your schedule so that you don't encounter this fucking asshole again. Oh, I just used the word I told you I never use because he deserves it. This is terrifying. This is not okay. Um, you know, you have to understand. So I wake up at 4.30 in the morning and I live in a pretty nice part of town, but it's adjacent to a pretty dicey part of town. And the street that I live on sort of is like a like a go-between. And so there's a lot of people that are homeless that walk by and they will, you know, ask for money or ask for – it's just sort of like I don't pay attention to it. Um, but when it's 4.30 and everything is dark and like, yeah, like what scared me was yesterday I was sitting there and I just heard someone say, hey, hey, you. And I didn't know where the voice yeah. was coming from. It, I couldn't identify it. It could have been behind me. It could have been the neighbor's backyard. It could have been the sidewalk. And my whole body went to that ice prickles, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Like I was just, and I didn't, and yesterday I didn't have my phone with me. That was the other thing. And so this morning I took my phone with me on the off chance it happened again. And sure enough, it did. How do you know he was filming you? Um, the reason I know today is because he was standing right across from me and I could th- see through the slats that there was a phone and the, the white light of the, of could the shot thing. Did you see him at all? Could you see I saw anything? him a little bit. Like he was wearing a black puffy coat. I mean, it was like the worst description. It's like man with black puffy coat. It's just like. He had a car. Life. Man in car. Yeah. No, he didn't uh, have. Yeah. It, no, yeah he didn't have a car though. He was I'm walking teasing. away. But anyway, um. You know, I don't want to go too much through this um, or get into too many specifics about where I live or whatever. You know, it's like it was just a very strange, um, scary incident. I do live alone. I don't think that's news to people that listen to this podcast. I have kind of always lived alone all my life with the brief exception of a year and a half that I lived with a boyfriend. I am so accustomed to living alone that I don't get very scared about it um, in the way that I think a lot of other people do. You know, you live in New York City, so even though you live alone, you live in an apartment with other people. Um, yeah. It's a little bit of a different thing. There's a barrier that's a threshold. And we talked about what happened the other week when somebody kind of had crossed through that and how scary it was. You know, where I am, I don't. It's me. And it's interesting, Sarah, because also my building, there's a front door, even though the the lock is sort of busted in sometimes right now. But then I've got my upstairs door and double locks. But I think it was just this month that I also had someone that was being a creepazoid to me in my building because he'd gotten into the building. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, this is never, this has actually never happened to me in all my years. I've had people steal furniture from my patio like uh, some some weird things have happened um but this has never happened and it's very scary and like you say now he knows that I do this and I cannot do this again but um can you have somebody uh, a large male come and spend the night at your house for the next couple nights and sit Let's out see. there instead at 4.30 in the morning. So when the fucker comes back, be like, what the fuck do you need? You need something? You need something from us right now? Fuck you. I would fucking come there with you if I wasn't in Israel. I want to see Nancy with that squeaky I, little oh, voice. Let me tell you something. I have been in several situations where, I mean, just first of all, I've yelled, I've had guys come at me and I scream so loud in their face. They're like, whoa, forget it, lady. But I've defended several girlfriends of mine by going ballistic. Don't, don't, don't fuck with them. So, I mean, I'm not saying I'm so, I'm a little scrawny here, but I yell a lot. So I don't like this, Sarah. I don't want you to, I don't want you to be sitting out there at 4.30 in the morning by yourself. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. I just, I'm working and it's like I change locations through the, it's, it's, it's obviously it's a habit I have to break. Um, It was particularly spooky for me because last night I watched a a docu-series that absolutely freaked my shit. Yeah. And I want your shit to be freaked. And I want to recommend <laughs> that all our listeners watch this. This is uh, American Nightmare, which is a new three-part series on Netflix. It's been 
kind of a sensation. It shot to the number one, um, the number one spot, and people like uh, I've I've heard about it from so many different people. I I go back and forth on true crime. You know, I love it, but then sometimes I'm sort of like, uh, I don't. I don't like, ugh. And, but uh, a good friend of mine who's a journalist was like, no, 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 this is really good. You have to watch it. Narratively, it's so interesting. And part of what's so interesting about it is the way that it plays with your expectations and it has so many plot twists. So I really want to talk about it with you, but okay. we really can't talk about it without giving spoilers. And so I want to give our listeners a warning that we're going to be talking about this. So get on the stick watch this. It's, I think the episodes are like 50 minutes each. There's three of them. You can watch it in one sitting and it's super compelling, twisty, uh, but it is about a home invasion, a home invasion in um, a pretty like quiet part of Vallejo, California. So, you know, the whole idea is like, there you are in your nice little, you know, house. And then some random person barges through and changes your life. So, well, I will also say if I I don't think I'm going to Shabbat dinner tonight, but I might. It's just Tel Aviv is bananas right now with the amount of the number of people that we actually know from America who are here right now. So I don't know what's going to happen later on tonight. But if I do not, then I will probably be watching it tonight. So listeners can expect that the next time Sarah and I tape might be one more time while I'm in Israel. I take off from here on Monday. Then we will talk about it. Um, we will talk about it the next time. I, I, if I may, just I'm going to just break in for a second and just tell you uh, one of the people that are here in uh, Tel Aviv right now is Barry Weiss, my dear Aww. friend. A lot of people, she's here now and she was interviewing someone last night. She's like, when are you going to come? You're going to come? Yes, yes, I'm going to come. And so I decided, you know what? I'm not going to. I'm not going to take a get. Get is like the equivalent of Uber here, G-E-T-T. I'm not going to do it. I've got some time. It was just drizzling. It was kind of nice out. I'm like, let me just walk. I'm just going to walk down to Jaffa. It's about a two-mile walk. Beautiful. Incredible. You get into the old city there and you're going up like staircases. I've got a picture I'll put here. You look like you're in, I could be like 1600s Arabia. It's incredible. The ocean is right there and I'm mm. walking and I'm walking and it's kind of a long walk. I'm like, geez, I'm going to be a little late, but everybody in Israel is late, so it's fine. I'm not too worried about it. And all of a sudden, I wind up at this fisherman's hut. This is not the place. This is not the place. There's like just some two guys there. I'm like, oh, hi. And then I'm like, oh, it's okay. I'll walk. I could not find this place. My dear friend Yael came and rescued me, and we thought we we did miss the talk. I missed the talk. We went and had some wine and cheese. I saw Barry afterwards. But um, anyway, it's a it's a very interesting, I mean, obviously there's a war going on. Tel Aviv is so alive right now. And then you're also dealing with death. It's just this, I got to tell you, it's very, it's a lot. It's a lot. I told you before we, we came on here, my, my brain is like scrambled eggs, but I'm going to try to coalesce. And, and at some point when you get back, I want to do yeah. more of a download on this show about your experience there. Okay. Sure. I mean, I've been writing a lot about it and I've published one article. I'll publish a few more, but yes, we will do that. But uh, I'm glad to be here. Uh, and uh, I'm glad to be here with you, Sarah. We're going to talk about some other things. Did you have some corrections or something you wanted to do at the top? Yeah. Well, um, now that you've mentioned Israel um, and its geography, I want to point out a correction to make to the record of last week. You know, last week you called me from Jerusalem and I made the crack 
that it was the birthplace of Christ. Now, I don't know if you're actually as stupid as I am, if you actually thought that our Christ was born in in Jerusalem, but but you went along with me. I did. I knew it was Bethlehem, but we were also sort of just like going. I'm like, you know, it's close. They're they're pretty close. Jerusalem and Bethlehem, they're pretty close. So I kind of, but I didn't really think to correct you. I'm not that smart. Well, I dragged you into my mistake. And so I need to acknowledge that Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. And he did have some dealings in Jerusalem. I believe he had a summer share. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I think he was like crucified. With 12 other people? Is that how, how did that work? Yeah. Yeah. Um, our episode last week was about polyamory and it got a lot of people talking. And I don't just mean like on the, you know, comment section in our, in our, in our wonderful listener community or on the Twitters, but I got a lot of personal messages from friends of mine that had listened to it and, and wanted to say something or wanted to make this point or that point. I wondered, was that true for you too? Yes, I did get some. Uh, I don't know about personal, maybe one or two, but I definitely noticed just on the on the Twitter, people sort of adding us like, hey, like Stephen Elliott, why didn't you invite me on your show? Or, you know what, I've known this, or I knew two people. And I, what was some somebody who said that he had been invited to sort of be part of this years ago and every single person that was part of that group is now divorced. Like, it's almost like it's a, it's a, it's a, what do they call that? It's like the, um, the starter thing, like it's the, what do they call that when you, the first thing you, like a gateway, the polyamory is a gateway to divorce. I mean, well, we, we, we talked about that last week. And one of the points that was made to me by a friend was that that point had been made by a therapist and marital therapy is a self-selecting group of people. You know, these are people that are already in marital crises. You know, one of the frustrating things about polyamory or any kind of alternate marriage, because there's polyamory, which is like the trendy word for the thing that kids in Brooklyn do. And then there's old fat, what what Dan Savage online has been calling tollyamory, which is tolerate polyamory. And he's like, he he did this thing that was like great moments in tollyamory. And it was like Bill and Hillary Clinton, uh, Leonard Bernstein and his wife, um, you know, all these different people. And I, I wrote back on Twitter and I said, I think tollyamory is basically another word for the entirety of marital history because, because you, right. you just tolerated things. So and mm-hmm. a question is, could, um, an open marriage, like, let's say both partners were, having affairs with other people, but those other people also weren't with them, but they were like separately having an affair. Would that be considered polyamory? I don't know. It's almost like asking me what is pornography, right? It's like there, there is, there's a, there's a certain like self-definition and then there's a cultural or legal definition that some people, you know, you're not even going to bother trying to figure that out. Um, but, you know, another friend pointed out to me that polyamory is different than swinging. You know, swinging is an old 70s idea, but it's become popular. I mean, he goes to sex clubs with his girlfriend and they have sex outside the relationship. They do it together. And, 
you know, he sent me these statistics. He was like, you and Nancy were talking about statistics. So here's some. And it was like a site that had all these statistics about how much better people's marriage are marriages after they try swinging. And I was like, I completely mistrust this survey. And he was like, he was like, well, I think my point is this matches up with my experience. You know, it it just, who's the person? What's the circumstance? The point that I wanted to make before on your face, I can see that you're just already exhausted. I'm I'm imitating your hand movement. You're making a point with your hands. It's very important. Go. The point that I meant to make last week, and I never did, was that people talk a lot about how polyamory is kind of a 70s thing. And, you know, we've been through this before. We went through this in the 70s. I think what I wanted to do was widen the lens a little bit more throughout human history. You know, if you read a cultural history of marriage, one of the things that you will learn is that the most popular marriage throughout history is polygyny. That's one man and multiple wives. So if you want to talk about what's normal, what's natural, the historical anomaly is a monogamous love marriage. That is a 19th century idea that gets protracted and spun out into the 21st century where people are looking for their one, their only, their person, their twin flame. This never, this shit never happened. People in the 19th century, 18th century would be laughing at you, Um, you know, a marriage was an economic arrangement and you had passion and love outside of the marriage. That was the idea of courtly love. Remember Lancelot and Guinevere? Mm-hmm. And so I guess I'd, I'd like to ask people to think a little bit more broadly about the different ways that humans try to hack happiness. Mm-hmm. I'd and, like to add, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm just going to go back, circle back a second to your friend that was saying like, well, you know, I can tell you statistics say that people that, you know, go swing, marry people that go swing are then happier. The most, maybe the most miserable couple I have ever met were heavy, heavy duty swingers. And I, I have to tell you, being around them, and of course it's their personalities and the fact that they were together, which was an absolute disaster. It was It was so painful to spend time with them, even like having a dinner, because of the misery and the sort of game playing that they would go to the mat to tell you their lives were great and their lives were great because of swinging. And I was like, that's fine. Keep keep telling yourselves that. They're, of course, not together anymore. Well, I have two things things to say about that. One is that um, I've often heard that, you know, from people who have never met anybody more annoying than somebody that quit drinking. And that's, I'm no doubt sure. And it's also not my experience and it's not who I am. Um, The other thing I want to say is that Dan Savage had another good line on Twitter (laughs) where he said, the only thing more annoying than listening to polyamorous people talk about polyamory is listening to monogamous people talk about polyamory. There we go. (laughs) I'll be that person. I'll be Dan Savage's most annoying person. And in terms of AA people being annoying, they're only annoying for about the first six months because they have just, their world, their brains have just exploded and they're so happy and they want to just tell you all of these things. And you learn this and you're just like really happy for them. And then they just sort of like, they, you know, they enjoy life. But, you know, that's my I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, some people from AA are annoying for the rest of their lifetime. 
Um, they're annoying for years and years. They never stop. I, I know them. I've met them. There is an evangelical zeal that doesn't go away. Um, but my point is that there are many, many ways. One of the things, one of the reasons this, this conversation is so fraught is that conventionally, societally, we have decided on a way to do this. It's a monogamous marriage. There are rules and clear conventions. And what this conversation is saying or inviting is that maybe there's another way and that that way might be better. And of course, within that, there's all sorts of things like it might be better for the short term, worse for the long term. It might be better for you, worse for your kids. It might be, you know, better one day, worse another day. But it it invites instability in something we all kind of thought was settled law which was that you get married and you're faithful to that one person and it sucks and it's hard and that's why it matters. And so. So different strokes. So. Um, hey, Sarah, that's what left. she said. That's what she said when she was polyamorous. There you go. <laughs> um, Nancy, we have other things yes. to discuss. We do. We do. People are like, okay, they talked about this last week. Jiminy. Exactly. Um, yeah. So what's on, what's on our plate this week, Sarah, the organized one this week, since I'm like scrambled eggs? Nancy, there's yes. a big Oscars controversy. I have heard about it. It's incredible. It's like, now, I, I, know, I know, I know. You're outraged. I'm so outraged, man. I so. want to point out, I want to tell you, mm-hmm. for the first time in Academy history, mm-hmm. three of the 10 movies nominated for Best Picture were directed by a woman. This is a new record. This is amazing. Uh, it's Anatomy of a Fall, which I've talked about before and I right. loved. Right. So much talking, so much good talking. Um, the movie Past Lives, which I still haven't seen yet because I'm afraid it's going to make me sad. And Barbie. So mm-hmm. this is amazing. Three of the 10 movies. So I wonder, based on what I've just given you, what do you think the big controversy is? The big controversy is, see, you see, the patriarchy is still keeping women down because yeah. there was not only, I mean, there wasn't 50%. So, I mean, this is, it's axiomatic. It's, it's self-evident. It is absolutely self-evident that women, not only is the patriarchy keeping them down, we've made no strides, Sarah. In fact, we might worse be Worse than it ever was. Worse it's than, worse than it ever was. Worse, worse than it ever was. And, you know, we should talk a lot about it. We should talk a lot about it. There should be tears. There should be outrage. We should bring back, you know, daytime shows where- Let's have our periods oh. right now. We are, we all are, we all are, we are just having our periods sympathetically. What is that? What, you know, that's actually true, right? Have you ever lived yeah, in a bunch cycle of women? Sister, cycle oh, sisters. Cycle sisters. It's on the first year in, 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 in college. It's like, you know, there's just like, who has a tampon? Nobody has any more tampons because you've just given them all away. Um, I'm bleeding out of my body right now. That's how outraged I am. I now, am. Uh, let me, let me just get drilled down on the outrage. I told you about the best picture category, but I didn't tell you about best director. I think we all know that the oh biggest God. movie of the year was Barbie. I think we all know that. Well, I don't know. Some people would say Oppenheimer. Some people would no, say no, 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 no. At the box more. office, we all okay. know the biggest okay. movie at the box office okay. was Barbie. It passed okay. one billion dollars globally. Okay. 
Greta Gerwig, the director of Barbie, was not nominated for Best Director. There were five nominees, and she was not one of them. Margot Robbie, who played Barbie, was not nominated for Best Actress. There were five nominees. Margot Robbie was not among them. I think you see where I'm going with this. You know who was nominated? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling played Ken. And Ken, in the movie, was supposed to point out to us, when he goes into the real human world, the ways that patriarchy suffocate women, hold us down. And what happens? It's almost a joke, Nancy Rommelman. He gets nominated while Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie do not. Parentheses. American Ferreira got nominated for Best Supporting Actress and Greta Gerwig got nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. That's not my point. This was a snub. It was the biggest snub since the last huge snub. Oscars so male. That's what I'm saying. That's what you're saying. Well, let's see. I would just like to remind you of that dance sequence that Ryan Gosling did in um, in Barbie. Oh, man. I, which I just absolutely loved. Um, I thought he was great. Uh, in terms of Ryan Marble Gosling, Rock- Ryan Gosling um, was always the standout star in that show. I mean, you can go back to the to the to the um, to the reviews. And one of the things that you can see from that is how much fun it is to play the, uh, either the villain or the bad guy or whatever it is. Think about Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. think about all the guys in Goodfellas that didn't get awards, but Joe Pesci does. Why? Because he's a maniac. He's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Gosling was so much fun. Um, mm-hmm. He put out there, there was so much backlash to this that he had to actually apologize for being nominated. Which is just it. You know what? OK, right, let's just we're going to go back to that in a second. But I just want to mention something. So uh, listening to the fifth column, guys couple episodes ago, I'm probably way behind. Um, Matt Welch was saying something about how the Republicans have gotten used to losing. And there's actually this sort of like status at being the sore loser. You know, it's like, ah, they just give me some, I can continue to grouse, 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 grouse. Like, and, and then people pay attention to this, right? Because it's kind of dramatic. And I think we're seeing a little bit of this, even though they're not even allowed to lose because they're not even nominated. But there's this bit of like sore loserdom going on when you're saying I wasn't nominated. Now, I thought about this when I started seeing the kerfuffle about this. And I thought, okay, let's say I am Margot Robbie. I mean, people confuse us a lot. You know that. I walk down the street and they're like, oh my God, it's Margot Robbie. No. Okay, Nancy, I got to tell you something. You are hot and you look great for your voice. But not that hot. But you're not that hot. (laughs) Not that hot. Okay. Margot Robbie is like a stunner from an alien planet. It's like if somebody came along and was like, what would the perfect woman be if the perfect woman was just sort of like an AI creation of the last, you know, hundred years of cinematic history. Right. I mean, it's just, she's incredible. 
But however, I was putting myself in her shoes. And I, and I understand. Like, you know, she's been around a while. She she played Tanya Harding and she was in... Uh, Which, by the way, she was totally snubbed. Yes. That's the Oscar that, snub. Right. She Exactly. That is kind of an Oscar snub. But like, you've really arrived. Like, you are a big, hot commodity. It's this huge movie and you don't get the Oscar. I can understand feeling, getting a little wound licky. I get it. I totally can get it. However... In public, there is no way for two reasons. Number one, it's just, it's unappealing. And who knows if she's even doing it. I think there's probably a lot of people that are doing it on her behalf because they oh, want to, I, like, don't, I don't think. I'm not aware that, I'm not aware that no. Margot Robbie has I'm made sure any statement on this. She hasn't, but I'm sure she has not. And also there is something just unbelievably beautiful and, and, and nourishing and sustaining about being grateful and about being like, all of these riches you already have and you know that you are absolutely beloved and you've done an incredible job and you're up here in the in the in the stratosphere and i am sure that she is happy for other people and she's going to go on it didn't happen okay it didn't happen this time maybe it happens next time the people that are being have all this umbrage on her behalf they should think about that they should think about the fact that they're actually shining an ugly light on something they claim to really be for. That is really ugly, I think. It's a, I mean, you know what I just realized, though? I mean, I kind of agreed with everything you just said. But as, as you were talking, I was like, what if there was like Substack Awards for best two females hosting a podcast about culture and we didn't get nominated? Then we I, I know. But if our listeners rose up and were so angry, I would be like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you would. Well, you know you would. You know you would. Wow, I've got serious thunder going on here. Uh, the weather here. Do, if you think you're coming to Israel without a sweater and a rain jacket in January, you better think again. Um, I don't know. Okay, let me let's let's do an, even a more a less hypothetical situation. You write a book. You write a book, and it's an incredible book. It gets incredible reviews, and then we you do not become Carrie Howley and have your book nominated for every single um, award. Congratulations, Carrie! She oh, just like was nominated for the National Book Critics Circle Award. Um, yes, I didn't mean I to would... talk over you. Um, Carrie Howley is nominated, but I was going to say you mean like Blackout. Blackout yeah. got such great reviews. It did really, really well. It got no nominations whatsoever. Okay. I would feel for you and I would take you out and I would buy you dinner and I would say, let's like go do something for five days if, if I felt that you needed that. But I don't know about getting super cranky publicly. I think that I don't would, know I if don't it started, like if the that. National Book Critics Circle Award came out and blackout started trending because people were so angry, I would be like excited. I would be yeah. like, oh, you guys. Yeah, but, but- but if, okay, all right, okay, but how about, how about if they were saying, and you know why? It's because she's a woman. She didn't get it because she's a woman. Would you like that? I wouldn't like that. Only if they said I was a hot woman. Yeah. Only if they said I didn't get it because I was too hot as a woman. Okay, all right, well. Okay, well, no, um, you're, you're making a very good point. I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like that. But this is, you know, the gender separation of the Oscars is really kind of fascinating. Like, why do we, any, why do, we do it anyway? And the reason is because if it were not gender separated, um, the men would totally rake it in because men's roles are just traditionally better. Like, it's not because of the patriarchy. It's because of, like, various structures and habits that were in place. Um that we've kind of yet to outgrow and out out 
maneuver. But but actually what bothered me about this was that it it was blind to first of all, there's a great woman uh nominated for best director, uh Justine Trier. She is the French nominate uh French director of Anatomy of a Fall. Um it is a massive coup to be a French female director like you're operating in another language and your movie is so good that they have nominated you for best director second of all Greta Gerwig has been nominated for best director before she was nominated for Lady Bird she didn't win but um but I believe that year her husband Noah Baumbach who had a movie wasn't nominated I mean you know she has actually had an astonishing career uh, so is Margot Robbie and uh it is bizarre. Also, the expectation that the box office movie would also be the biggest nominee in the Oscars category makes me feel like the public at large doesn't understand the Oscars. They have always, and especially over the last 20 years, been at odds with public taste. I mean, Ghostbusters didn't win a bunch of Oscars, okay? Top Gun didn't win a bunch of Oscars. It's the very rare movie that is both popcorn hit and Academy Award nominee. I mean, I think, you know, the year Ghostbusters came out, it's probably like what what won like Chariots of Fire or something or like Gandhi or Reds. I don't know. It's some movie that 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 people more somber, more somber. Yeah, much more somber. You know, it's an Oppenheimer type movie. And the the failure to make this distinction and also to note that, you know, Emily Blunt got nominated in a male-dominated movie. Like, like there are all these successes all around you and it's like, we're just going to keep reaching for the, you know, the lever that says we lost, we lost, we lost. Um, speaking of that, do you know who tweeted about this? Who tweeted about Margot Robbie? And or Greta Gerwig? Tweet- uh, Taylor Lorenz. I'm sure she did, but I was thinking of <laughs> Hillary Clinton. Oh no! Oh God! Oh oh God! Can oh, I can I read that? it to did, you? Sh- yeah. Or are you okay. going to get killed by thunder because it's did getting a little it? loud? Did you hear it? It's. it's I did. It sounded like loud. your stomach rumbling. No, probably that too. Um, oh please, yes. I I can't wait. To, just can't wait to hear from Hillary Clinton. Really. Greta and Margot. While it can sting to win the box office but not take home the gold, your millions of fans love you. You're both so much more than Knuff. Okay, several things. The, the Knuff is, an, it, it's, it's almost as bad as Chris Christie's calling Donald Donald Duck for not showing up. Uh, for thing. Also, I don't know. You think Hillary's still stinging a little bit? You think maybe she's really talking to herself and and maybe maybe how many how many likes did that get? How many you go girl, you're always be our president did that get? Oh, millions. I mean, it millions. got millions. Millions. But it also got I saw it because a bunch of people in my timeline were like, "Give me a fucking break." <laughs> um <laughs> Kill me now. You know, like, I mean, Kat Rosenfield was like hilarious on this. Tyler Austin Harper was hilarious on this. All the usual suspects were just like winning, scoring points off of this. It was, you know, it was, it, it, it was just so cringe inducing. Also, I want to say Hillary Clinton didn't write that, Nancy. 
Hillary Clinton did not write that. I promise you. Hi, Smoke em If You Got Em listeners. This is Sarah Heppola with Nancy Rommelman. Hi. We're inviting you to listen to the rest of this conversation, but you have to subscribe. Go to smokeempodcast.substack.com slash subscribe. We hope to see you on the other side. Bye.